Greetings, neighbor. Glad to be with you again on this uh, podcast, and looking forward to sharing the Word of God with you. Believe you're going to have a believe we're going to have a good time in the Lord. Got a, quite a bit of territory we want to cover tonight. Been sp- speaking to you on a series about born to battle. Didn't quite get in the uh, recording uh, booth, so to speak, last week, and uh, so sorry about all that. But hopefully, you're you had uh, you. Well, we had tied you over for a while. Amen. Praise God. Had plenty of good things and good preaching teaching on our uh, website, and you're sure welcome to get up on there and, and listen to all of that at, at higherrealm.net. Uh, is what you want to look at. Praise God. Anyway, uh, we're we're going to get right into preaching the Word of God to you today. Uh, I don't know if you'll hear a little wind. We're, we're here in the Midwest and having our little second little blast of winter. And so the wind's blowing. It's pretty cool, and but uh, it's about midnight here in uh, Illinois, and uh, and so I'm doing this kind of light, kind of uh, avoid all of the noise and sounds of the uh, of the automobile sometimes that travel earlier in the day and or in the daytime and even earlier in the evening, and so uh, we kind of choose to do it in this time of the day. Praise God, and so hopefully we're going to be a. It's going to be. It's going to be good, amen. We don't have no problems. I'm going to read some scripture to you out of Second Kings 13, beginning at verse 14, and it's a very important set of messages. Uh, actually, I've got two. I don't know if I'm going to get them both covered tonight or not. Quite a bit of uh, ground to cover, but if not, we'll do what we do and then pick it up the next time. Don't know how many more of these we're going to do, but uh, maybe a couple of more at least. Uh, would like to get a good uh, session of you know of preaching about all this and we'll never cover it all even if we preach 15 more times because there's so much uh, to do but second kings 13 uh, 14 we're seeing uh jehoahaz had uh, the son of jehu had been been the king um uh, reigned over israel in samaria and and his time had come to die and his son joash took over uh, Joash being the son of the great grandson of uh, Jehu, or not the great grandson, but the grandson of Jehu, uh, mighty uh, warrior for the nation of Israel, and so uh, you know he his, his heritage was such that he would have been uh, he should have been uh, been a lot of things about him that should have been different as we will find out. Uh, he should have been strong as he sh- you know as his grandfather, but sometimes they don't get passed on that way. That's kind of a sad story. But sometimes that's the way it is. A lot of children go do their own thing and 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 don't follow after their parents. You know the ones that are anointed. I'm talking about. So you know that's another story. Let's leave it alone. What do you say? Amen. Uh, beginning at verse 14, we're going to read about Joash and Elisha. Uh, now Elisha would fallen sick of uh, of his sickness, and whereof he died. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down unto him and wept over his face and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. And Elisha said unto him, Take bow and arrows. And he took unto him bow and arrows. And he said to the king of Israel, Put thy hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And, and, And he said, Open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow 
of deliverance from Samaria, uh, Syria rather. For thou shalt smite the Syrians in Aphek till, they, till they, thou hast consumed them. And he said, Take the arrows, and he took them. And he said unto the king of Israel, Smite thee up on the ground. And he smote thrice and stayed. And the man of God was wroth with him and said, Thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. Then thou hadst, uh, then hadst thou smitten Syria till thou hadst consumed it. Wherefore now thou shalt smite Syria but thrice. And, of course, Elisha went on to die. Now, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about some of the things that was relevant in that story because it's, uh, you know, they're important. Amen. And they're important to us if we're going to do any kind of battle for the Lord. And we've we got a couple of topics and we want to call this this phase of this message. Uh, we want to call it uh, measuring our victories. Uh, we, you know, we can say it this way. You know, we're as victorious as we want to be. I often say to people many times, I said, you know, you deserve what you tolerate. Kind of a hard statement. It's kind of hard to hear, but people do deserve what they tolerate. And our victories, we, we are as victorious as we want to be. There's no reason why. And we're talking about being born for battle. And victory is the, is the, is the fruit of battle. I mean, good battle, good, good fighting. And so, uh, you know, it's kind of, you know, it's up to us ex exactly how how much we want to dig in, how deep we want to go, and how much we want to uh, do in order to be uh, victorious. So we are victorious as we want to be. The, the idea being the lack of inner victory cannot be blamed on anyone but ourselves. Uh, I was thinking about a scripture in First John 5, 4, it said, This is the victory that overcometh the world, even your faith. It's our faith that, that brings us to a place of victory. Uh, you know, and the very fact that that scripture makes that statement means that there's victory possible to you and I. And it's possible when we use our faith in a, in a way that's uh, productive. So, you know, each, each man has his own measuring cup and measures out the quantity of victory he desires. But beyond that, for some perverse reason, though, we will not stretch ourselves. That's an interesting thing to me. I mean, we don't, you know, we don't push it sometimes. I, uh, I, uh, uh, you know, I put a statement on uh, Facebook uh, last night, and I'm, I don't have it right before me. It's just a very simple little uh, statement. I, I think I can find it right here right quick. He said, too many men are afraid of being fools. And absolutely, that's the truth. Sometimes when it comes to victory, there are some things that you and I may be asked to do. That's a little more than what we would ordinarily do and maybe a little foolish to the world. Because I, and I thought about that statement. That was, that was a quote from Henry Ford. Uh, and uh, I thought the Apostle Paul had the same idea. He said, you know, the nat to the natural man, the things of God are foolishness. Well, uh, <clears throat> faith is foolish to most people. Victory is is foolish to, for some people. They don't, you know, they, they are, you know, they don't want it. Sometimes they really don't want it. But, you know, when uh, there are some, there are some people who have a different spirit though. And when they, when they're like, like, and I thought about Joshua and Caleb, and when you're like them, then the very act, the very essence of who they were and how they were and how they responded in the situation that they found themselves was a rebuke and, uh, to the testimony of the of, was a rebuke uh, of the testimony of warfare for Christ and those who are content with scanty victory. See, it's, it's you know you get around someone that's victorious and positive and wants to really. I'm talking about I'm talking about genuine positive, not an act. I'm talking about the real thing. 
You know, and you get around somebody like that, pretty soon you're gonna you will get the you're gonna begin to feel uh, out of place. You'll be like a duck out of water, so to speak. You you're gonna feel different because you're not of the same spirit. We have that same spirit. Uh, we're we're to have the same spirit as Christ had. Be bold in the Lord, praise God. And uh, and we have the same spirit of faith, the Scripture says. And so it's very important for this. So I, I kind of titled this, and I don't, I don't know if I gave it to you. It's measuring our victories. We we measure our victories. It's you know, each man has his own measuring cup and measures out the quantity of victory he desires. I mean, it's just it's whatever you want. If you you stop one day too short, you'll be one day short. If you stop. Two days short, you're going to be two days short. If you stop five minutes short of what victory is, and I'm going to tell you something about that. There were some times in my earlier days of our ministry when we were believing God for something and we were standing and rebuking the devil and doing the things that was necessary, and we just got weary in the battle, got tired in the battle, and said, well, we just throw up our hands. It's not going to happen anyhow. And and so uh, lost it. Found out later we lost it. God was trying to do a miracle for us and on our behalf. And we was, we gave it up too quick. So it's just better sometimes to have, uh, you know, long suffering. Just stay with it. I mean, like I heard one uh, brother say, stick and stay and make it pay. Praise God. I, saw, I read a little story about this uh, little pastor uh, from China. His name was HSI. I don't know exactly how you pronounce it, but it's he, he, he spelled HSI. And it said prior to his conversion, he was an avid opium smoker and a cultured Confucianist. In other words, Confucian was his Confucian was his. Uh, I'm not saying it right. I'm trying to say it right. I'm not saying it right. Confucius was his uh, leader, and and he said. And when he became a new creature in Christ, what a change! One of his first things he did was to take a new name for himself. This was in order to proclaim to the world and to the devil himself the new direction his life was going was now going to take. He called himself Conqueror of Demons. <laughs> I like it, really. He wanted to express his sense of being enlisted for life in God's army and in, in the warfare against the powers of darkness. So, so see, to a man, and what goes on to say, to a man who had, who had grown up in terror of evil spirits and had known the power of sin's bondage, it took more than courage to call himself the devil overcomer. It showed the reality of his faith in God and his willingness to trust in the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit to give victory over all the power of the enemy. Now, that really is a, a, a powerful, powerful statement right there. He showed the reality of his faith in God and his willingness to trust in the power of the indwelling Spirit to give victory over all power of the enemy. God's Word said he already has given us power over all power of the enemy. It's our faith that appropriates that into our life, praise God. And maybe sometimes we ought to change our name. You know, I've been called a little bit of everything in my lifetime. I think the most recent thing I've been called was the shredder. <laughs> uh, because of the situation we had to deal with, I was called a shredder. And the person, some of the people involved with it said, well, that person you talked to, they shredded. But I, was, I didn't do anything mean. I wasn't hateful to them. I just wrote a, a letter that they needed to, some things that they needed to correct. And, uh, uh, and, I guess it really shredded them somewhere along the line. I said, well, I mean, call a little bit of everything. I guess shredder, you just put it in there, praise God. I'm glad I'm a shredder and not a spreader, amen, because a lot of people are spreading a lot of lies and a lot of gossip and a lot of deception, and I don't want to be guilty of that, praise God. And when it comes to the power of the devil, if I'm going to be called anything, I'd just rather, you know, uh, I'd rather be called a shredder. 
You know, I uh, like the Apostle Paul, you know, it's not that I'm flattered by it. But at the same time, it does give me, it does give a person a sense of satisfaction to know the devil knows who you are. He knows when he sees you coming. He knows, you know, I'm thinking about one man who's going on to be with the Lord. And I tell you, he was a, a powerful man of God. And he, uh, uh, you know, the devil knew him. He had the ministry to cast out the devils. And I tell you, when the, and I was in, the first time I was in one of his meetings, I'd never been there before. I'd been, never heard of him before. Uh, and somebody said, would you like to go hear this, brother? And I said, yeah, I would. I really would like to hear him. And so I went with him. And, you know, his manner and style of preaching wouldn't have not have been my manner and style. He's kind of laid back kind of a character. But the, but the fact remains that when that man walked in the door of that church building, uh, the devil, there was somebody who had an evil spirit in him and said, they, they come, somebody said, oh, no, not, I won't call his name. Oh, no, not so-and-so. And they knew who he was. I mean, them devils were, <laughs> they were looking, uh, you know, to, uh, get out of there because they knew who he was he apparently did this some damage before and now uh, in christ's name this chinese man was determined to possess his possession i thought about a scripture in uh, obadiah verse 17 but upon mount zion shall be deliverance and there shall be holiness and the house of jacob shall possess their possessions what a deal what a deal praise god you know some things that belong to you and i and zion being a type of the church there is, he said, but upon Mount Zion shall be deliverance. There ought to be deliverance. There's supposed to be deliverance. It's part of the gospel. Some folks want to deny that, but it's futile and foolish because you can, any, any way you want to cut the cake, friend, whether it's sickness, whether it's finances, whether it's actual demon spirits and demon possessing the bondage, there's always deliverance for you and I. It's always the word, the, the, the proper word to use, praise God. So, uh, you know, he was going to possess his possession. This little Chinese brother was going to possess it and claim all that was his victory, all that was his through the through all that was uh, his a victory through the death and resurrection and exaltation of the Son of the Lord Jesus. I mean, he, in other words, he's saying everything that everything that uh, that's uh, victorious has been appropriated for me through the cross of Christ, and I'm going to take it, praise God. That's a, And I'm going to call myself the devil overcomer, the demon conqueror. Uh, and so we're devil, we're the devil overcomers. We're the, <laughs> we're the conqueror of demons. And so we, we just might as well own up to the facts and go for it. Now, in this story we read for a text, Elisha was been watching for a chance and opportunity to... Uh, to talk to Joash because he was watching the judgments that were falling on the house of Jehu and, and, and the Lord was beginning to cut Israel short. So at the last, when the, when right at his death door, he had a, the opportunity to present himself. And even though uh, he was dying and on his deathbed, he wanted to take a time to teach a lesson on, on, on how victory may be won. And, this, and the story of this weak and wicked king is linked to the last recorded incident in the life of Elisha the prophet. That's one of the last things that's happened in his life. So he starts off by saying, take bow and arrows and open the window eastward and shoot. And the, so, so the idea being that he realized it would be the last chance he's ever going to have to stir this king to strive for victory for his humiliated people because Jehovah because Joahash, the grandson of Israel's King Jehu, or Joash, uh, was not 
such a man. He can only believe for limited victory. In other words, we'll, we can see that in the story. And we'll point out some of those things as we go along. But in this story, you can see there was certain things that there was a certain scenario that Elijah took him through, and 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 uh, and how and how he responded and reacted to it tells you a little bit about how his what his belief was in concerning victory. See, uh, he was this man was sick in in his own inner corruption, and also was shame at the humiliation of Israel under Hazel, the Syrian king. Uh, so. So hearing of the sickness of Elisha, he decides he to visit the property to see if there's some way out of the dilemma. That's usually how it is, isn't it? Nobody wants anything to do with you until you until they really got uh, a problem, and then they want to kind of contact you. They don't want nothing to do with the prophets until they really need a prophet. And when they need a prophet, sometimes they go get anything they want to get. So he starts off once again going through the story. He said, take bow and arrows. In other words, demonstrate your intention to fight. Now, keep this in mind. Peace at any price is not the language of God's prophet. It's not the language of God's prophet. He wanted to steal in the heart of this defeated king the determination to try for victory at any cost. I want to get that. Peace at any price is not the language of any true prophet of God. I'm going to tell you that right now. Our idea is to instill in the heart of, uh, of people who are experiencing defeat the, the determination to, to go for it, brother. Burn the devil's hide. That's what I say. Praise God. Uh, and and so all the tears of remorse over the state of the kingdom under his leadership are not enough. You can cry till you don't have no more water left in your body. Crying don't move God one bit. Faith is what moves God. Determination has a whole lot to do with faith. In other words, you're going to determine how it's going to be, and you're not going to let the devil have it. it makes no difference. Sometimes it ain't just a matter of wanting something. It's a matter of principle, praise God. I mean, you know, just for me, I mean, I, you know, there are some things I'm not going to give it over because it's it's just a matter of principle. Uh, you know, to let the devil win, it's just not going to happen. Maybe it's not as important to some people as it uh, uh, that way, but to me it's important simply because God's Word is at stake. You know, we, always, we used to say it this way years ago. He, either, he needed to say what he meant or meant what he said. Well, he did say what he meant, and he meant what he said. And you and I need to appropriate it and use it in just in that scenario. So all the tears of crying didn't do anything for him. And all of his wailing and whining over defeats and over the sick state of the society around him, uh, and the same for us, didn't do any good. So the first step, in victory is to take up your weapons with the determination to go all out for victory. Now, that's the truth. Pick up your gun, bless God, or whatever you're worn with. In our case, it wouldn't be guns and, and swords, but in our case, it'd be words. In our case, it'd be the scriptures. Pick it up, glory to God. Say, I'm going to tell you something, devil. I'm fully equipped to do what God called me to do, and this is how it's going down. It's not going down with you being the head and me the tail. It's going down with me being the head and you being the tail. So, so uh, Paul said basically the same thing. Take the sword of the Spirit. In, in this case, the prophet says take bow and arrows. And Paul tells us in the New Testament, take the sword of the Spirit. See, the message of victory is being misrepresented and cheapened and diluted by Christians who are content with lower standards and limited victory because their hearts, in their hearts they do not really want victory. I mean, that's, that's almost hard to understand, isn't it? But, you know, I've I, I prayed for people over the years. I'm thinking of a couple right now in my mind's eye or in my spirit, actually. 
that uh, I pray God they, they were disabled. I pray for them. God healed them, but they didn't want victory. They wanted the, they wanted the disease because they brought the money. That's hard to understand, isn't it? I mean, you, it, you know, I've had a battle or two with health, and I'm glad to have good health. I'm glad I'm healthy, thank God, and I intend to get more healthier. Uh, uh, but so you know, but many today they they miss victory. Well, you do this and do that, and you got the victory. I'm gonna tell you, victory is not cheap, friend. It's a fight of faith. You better understand to have victory, you're gonna have to really fight the fight of faith. Praise God. And it's diluted. A lot of people dilute it and lower the standards and limit their victory because their hearts, they don't want it. So he says, put thy hand upon the bow. And then Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. Keep this in mind. Reckon on divine faithfulness. That's what he was doing, reckoning on divine faithfulness. When utter failure and impotence moves with honesty to seek victory, it will find its total weakness encompassed by strength. God identifies himself with obedient weakness. Ain't that, that's, as we say down south, ain't that the truth? Ain't that so? That's where he identifies. In other words, Paul said, when I'm weak, he's strong, praise God. So the rule of victory is our hand on the weapon and his, and his hand or God's hands is over ours. And so God is saying in, in, uh, to us in this, he puts his mighty hand over ours. The battle is not ours or not yours, but God's. In your case, the battle is the, is the Lord's. Putting his hand to the bow is faith, reckoning on the divine faithfulness and claiming the fight which I now fight, I fight in the faithfulness of the Son of God. That's really what it is. That's what happens. The battle's not mine. It's yours. It's not yours. It's not mine. It's God's. So when we put our hand on the bow, it's our faith saying to the, uh, speaking, of the divine faithfulness and claiming the fight which I now fight, I fight in the faithfulness of the Son of God. Paul said, I fought the fight, I've kept the faith. Hallelujah. And we can say the same thing. And then he says, open your window eastward. Now, this is a little hard for some people to take, but we need to sometimes expose the place of failure and defeat. That's another little thing I put down here on Facebook last night because I, I, I kind of like the statement. It's another statement by Henry Ford. He said, failure is the opportunity to begin again more intelligently hallelujah you know i don't know where he was at spiritually i don't know much about his life that way but that, that to me seemed like a god statement of some kind when you when you realize failure is the opportunity to begin again in a more intelligent manner praise god for that and so he said open the window eastward expose the place of failure and defeat face the place in your heart where the proud enemy boasts his victories and 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 uh, and your enemy's you know, uh, and his enemy's foe was to the east. Israel's foe, rather, was to the east. So he said, look right in the face of that. That's what he's saying. Now, the rule herein is that victory arrows cannot be shot through closed windows. That's See, we got to present some opportunities, friend. If we're going to get God to do anything, we got to move out. You know what I'm saying? You've got to get the windows open. You've got to get yourself exposed to those situations and get and, and get in the battle. Don't stand back and tremble. Get in the battle. There are hidden things we are, all, we are all afraid to face up to, specific things that cannot be glossed over as a weakness inherited from others. If we, In other words, if we're going to be victorious, the windows must be open on each thing that defeats our attempts to live as God would have us. Then he said, shoot. And he shot. He told that king, you shoot. And he shot. And when God says shoot, you better shoot. 
Amen. Hallelujah. Put action to your faith, in other words. Faith that acts will bring the foe to his knees or send him scaring off. Then, then here's an interesting thing. He said, you take those arrows and smite the ground. He did what he told him to do. And then the scripture said, those, you know, open your window. And then when, and when, he, and then when he got to the arrows, he said, these are the arrows of the Lord's deliverance. Now, the, the fact that he knew that and only smote that floor three times tells you a little bit about something about his character. In other words, he was one of these kinds that, that was weak. He's one of these kinds that we're going to find about in the second part of this message. He had some slackened bowstrings. Now, so take the arrow, smite on the ground, and, he, and it's, a, it's a measuring cup of victory and fill it. Obedience then is a manifestation of faith's energy. So victory over our failures is in exact proportion to the obedience of faith. Victory over our failures is in exact proportion to the obedience of our faith. The last verse of the chapter makes it clear. Three times he smote. He said it was to his shame. He didn't believe enough. He didn't obey enough. And he knew going into it, he wasn't just like he didn't know. He was already knew what those arrows represented, and yet he didn't claim any victory whatsoever. What a what a what a deal! And so, so so we can say his shame. He didn't believe enough. He didn't obey enough. It is what happens in the secret chamber that determines the amount of victory we have in the actual battle of life. Though there are, has been failure in the past, the future by God's grace is always redeemable. Hallelujah, Amen. Now, that's, that's the measuring cup of your victory. Let's talk just a little bit about some uh, uh, the second part of this message, which we're going to call slacking bowstrings, which would be point two if you want to say it that way. It doesn't matter. Uh, we, m- many of you know who Winston Churchill was. He was, he was uh, England's uh, prime minister uh, during the, uh, the war against Hitler. Tremendous, tremendous man, uh, to say the least. Uh, very interesting to read about him. It's always interesting to me how he was. I mean, the man, he, he was a genius in a manner of speaking. And so it's said about him this way. In his orders to Lord Lewis Mountbatten, Churchill said, You're the plan for the offensive. In your headquarters, you will never think defensively. Uh, boy, I, lo- I love that statement because that's, you know, that's how we are. We we say one thing sometimes and we think failure. And when we get there, we have it and we wonder why it happened. It's, it's because the scripture says a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But in our collaborating with the Lord and his word about any situation you and I have faced, you better understand this, that you need to make you need to make the plan for offensive warfare. You know, uh, there was never any armor to cover the back side that Paul mentioned, meaning that we're to always be on the offensive. We're never to be uh, defensive. But the devil keeps us at the defensive level, most of the time defending ourselves. You know, little foxes, the scripture said, it spoils the vine. Little fires, they'll set one here and one over there and one over here, and we'll find ourselves like a dog chasing his tail around. And the next thing you know, we're we're out of the battle. We don't know what happened to us, but it's because we got distracted and went some direction God didn't tell us to go. But now Paul, who he's kind of like was like uh, Churchill, he only saw one course of action. That was attack. Hallelujah, Amen. I used to have a little have a little uh, 
I think it was an alligator. I can't remember. A little plaque magnet like you put on the TV. Someone give me sometimes said, there's a little alligator. And he said, it's you and me against the world. When do we attack? And that's, so, and that's, that's really as a little element too, because it's just me and Jesus. Uh, uh, I used to sing an old song. I still do sometimes when I play and sing. It's Jesus in me for each tomorrow. Uh, no, no more heartache, no more sorrow. I know that I can depend upon my newfound friend. It's Jesus in me. Yes, it's Jesus in me. And that's, it is Jesus in you. Paul, he wanted Timothy to face the enemy with his sword drawn and the bowstrings of his resolved talent. Now, when we speak of bowstrings, and we've been talking about that, about bows and arrows and things, the word detente comes up. It's a French word, and it has the idea of slackening the bowstrings that are set for attack or or easing hostility between countries. We'll talk about that some more in a minute. But you don't do much with a bow and arrow if you've got bowstrings that are loose and, they, and you, they're not taunt. They have to, the, you know, if you know anything about a bow and arrow at all, you know that those, that string on that bow has to be tight. It has to be where that, when you pull that thing back and let it go, it's going to send that arrow at its destination, at its designated uh, place, designated place, rather. And uh, so we need to understand that. In warfare, there are four possible attitudes. Defensive, defensive offensive, defensive, a detente, and desertion. Now, the first one of these attitudes is, uh, is of, of course, offensive. And, and that's the attitude that the devil hates with a passion. He absolutely shakes him up, buddy. He trembles when he sees the, even the weakest saint upon his knees. And he, I mean, he, he shakes, rattles, and rolls in hell because he knows what's going to happen when a person prays. Sometimes the most, I mean, you know, heaven's probably going to be a great revelation for a lot of people. They're going to think all these great preachers are going to get rewards, and they will. But there's going to be some that we know absolutely very little of anything at all about in this earth who have kept us preachers prayed up. I mean, we were ready to, you know, go because you got somebody praying for you. I, you know, I know when people pray for me, and I know when they don't. I can tell the difference. I, I experience all kinds of stuff sometimes when people quit praying. And they get busy and don't think about it, forget about you. You're not before them all the time. The old saying is, out of sight, out of mind. But it's always, I'm always appreciate the fact that people pray, and you can tell the difference. And uh, so I, I'm grateful to God about that. So, but when it comes to uh Warfare, you better understand offensive warfare. Like Churchill said, you don't think defensively. You're not you're not there to fight, uh, keep the devil off, and just barely get by. Uh, so we need to stay on our knees. We need to keep the power of God flowing. Now, you know, when that happens, the devil's going to do everything under his power uh, uh, to stop God's people or to get them on the defensive. Like he did Nehemiah in the plain of Ono, O-N-O, Ono. He, he, he tried to do that with him. He, he sent people and said, come down off that wall. Quit building that wall. We, we, we want to talk to you a little bit. Just, just, just do this and just do that. And just don't do this. Just, just ease up this hostility. And, you know, we're after the same purpose. After all, we're after the same purpose you are. as a lie, but they were saying it. And uh, Nehemiah said, I don't have time to come over that wall. I'm too busy working for the Lord. But, you know, there's a little a little play on words with the word oh no. You could kind of say it this way. If we said it in English, you could say, uh, you know, 
if he was speaking in English, he'd say the world by inviting him to, oh, no. I'm going to say it the way I got it written in my notes. I think the Lord must have chuckled in foresight when the devil, in trying to entice Nehemiah, put the right answer into his mouth for the English-speaking world by inviting him to, oh, no. In other words, you know, oh, no, we ain't going there. Oh, no. You know, I, 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 when I was making the notes up on this, and I was thinking about a little grandson. He's about 18 months old, and my son was telling about him. You know, every new baby seems to learn words, and one of the first ones they seem to learn is no, because you have to tell them no about everything they're doing. And But he's kind of a character of his own. And he said he was, he'd been he was sick, and they'd had him in bed with him, and he kept waking up, and, and then he'd go back to sleep, and he wasn't feeling well. And so when you don't like something, he'll, he don't mind telling you no. He tells his his sisters, no, if you don't want them to do, to bother him, no, leave me alone. And so he said, no, <laughs> he said he heard him and he put him back in his room. He heard him. He'd wake up and he'd say, stop, no. And so he, I said, well, I don't know what he was saying, but, you know, he's a chip off of his grandfather's block. Oh, that's the way I talk to the devil. No, no, oh, no, oh, no, devil. That's not, I'm not coming down on the wall. I'm not going to be sending no time messing around. You stop what you're doing. You know, people hang out with Brother Hughes for a while. They would, they think I was, took a leave of my senses. Or they would realize that I'm a man who understands that you're going to have to tell the devil what you need to tell him. You need to tell him often. And sometimes I'll tell him many times, you they shut your mouth. I don't want to hear nothing you got to say. I hear him talking, trying to talk, or I sense that he's trying to. So, you know, the devil gets along well with Christians as long as they are on the defensive, seeking detente or desertion or deserting. But if we're determined to seem defeated in our own hearts, in our own society, we must only must be only and always committed to the offensive. I'm going to say it again. If we're determined to see the devil defeated in our hearts and in our society, we must be only and always committed to the offensive. You better keep that thought in mind. Now, since the generation of Churchill, or Churchill's generation, uh, the ones he spoke to was war-minded. He had things going for him. But other generations do not necessarily have the same mind about war responding the same way. I mean, you know, we, we, got, we got people from that generation, don't they? You know, they don't like war. You know, the Korea War was protested against, and the Vietnam, I'm a part of that war, was protested against, and a lot of people... I didn't like it, and I'm not saying everything about it was wonderful or correct or even, for that matter, but it was necessary to bring deliverance to other people that needed deliverance from the communist regimes. And so, whether you understand it or not, I don't even care because I know what God, you know, what he intended for it. He likes for people to be free and have the choice to do to worship him and to do the things that they would like to do spiritually and, of course, we know they do other things that they don't need to be doing, but they're going to do it either way. And so we need to, you know, it's a thing about laws. The law says, I'm going to, you got to do this, you got to do that, and, and it's good for one person, but it's not good for another. But it's necessary because, you know, it's, in, in reality, it's good for all. Just because somebody don't obey it don't make it any less good. Now, let's take this, take this example. Joshua, in his day, was committed by God's command to a war of offensive action. He was told to go up and possess the land. Go do it. Don't don't linger around. Moses told him. God told him. He wanted him to do it. 
And he said, if you do this and this and this, and you meditate my word, and you and I'll give you the wisdom, and and you know, and you'll be strong and have a good courage, and then you you know you're going to be successful, whatever you do. But if you don't, it's going to be over. And the people said it to him as well in the last part of the chapter one. They said, you know, as long as you follow the Lord, we're going to follow you. I'm I'm simplifying it. As long as you follow the Lord, we'll follow you. As long as you're hearing from God, we're going to do what you want to do. But if you quit doing that, forget that. But but. Him and his generation were committed, but the people that followed him, uh, they had slackened bowstrings. They sought the civilian life of coexistence by compromise. I want to talk about that just a minute. Boy, I'm telling you the honest God truth, that that there's a lot of people can coexist with some of the worst kind of situations I've ever seen. I'm not saying be antagonistic, but at the same time, you know, I might be I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'll be standing up on the inside. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I'm not going to give over to something. I'm not going to compromise, lower my standard, and 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 take up my and lay down my def, my offensive weapons, and take on the uh, a defensive mechanism and say, "Well, I'll just I'll resist the devil. He can't come, and I'm not going to do anything." No, we need to march on. We need to march forward. We need to go into the promised land. We need to lay hold. Uh, the land of God's promises is where we need to go and lay hold of every one of them that are available to us. And one of the things that we're going to be sadly uh, discouraged about, or I'm, discouraged wouldn't be the right word. What we're going to be saddened about when we get to heaven is that we're going to see all the things you and I could have had if we would have just not been passive about it. If we'd been, if we'd been more aggressive and obeyed the word and stood up and said, "No way, devil, I'm not taking that." And I, you know, sometimes it, it's the fight of faith. As a fight of faith, it's a fight. That's exactly what it is. And sometimes it takes everything in you to, to stay steady in all of that. But praise God, you need to stay after it. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, like uh, like many people, sometimes the second generation after Joshua, they probably said, "Well, you know, war is immoral," and they refused to see that they were blurring the distinctions between the rights of their cause as a nation under God, and the evils God was using them to exterminate it. But that, that's a true statement to the United States of America. We, Especially in the day you and I live, and, and the government situation, and the, and the president we have now, and it would make no difference to me whether he was a Republican or what he was, the fact is that he has no fight in him, and the world knows that he has no fight in him. And they don't realize, and a lot of people in this country do not realize the purpose of the United States of America and what it was, what God intended for it to do. It's a bloody nation, there's no doubt about it. And we've shed a lot of blood, but at the same time, while we're shedding that blood, we brought a lot of liberty and things to people uh, in other nations. You know, people always talk about the cost of it. Well, it's all God's anyhow. What difference does it make? It belongs to Him. I mean, uh, He's, you know, he's going to provide it one way or another. Only thing I could say about that is that it's never going to be won politically, uh, and war won't be won't serve its purpose as it should if there's not prayer warriors that surround that situations uh, in in war time with their prayers and their faith. So it's all it's all together. You know, it, when you think about Israel, there was there was not the political realm and then the religious realm. They were blended together. And we need to be have the same thing, but we've separated it. We've made issues that are spiritual issues, political issues. And they should be dealt with spiritually, but they're not dealt with spiritually. They're political issues, and we've made them, and they're not, you know, they're sin. 
you take you take the hint of uh, you take homosexuality as sin, uh, uh, any kind of lust is sin. That's certainly one form of it, but it's wrong. And uh, we made it a political, and they demanded and got rights. And uh, nobody's against people having rights, but but sins their problem, and demonic bondage is their problem. And somebody needs to be saying it. And I guess I'm one of them somebodies. I'm saying it. Homosexuality is a sin. God hates it. But the, but the strength of that sin is the pride of it. It's not just the sin in and of itself. That's bad enough. But it's the pride of it. And that's what God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah for because of pride. And a lot of, a lot of uh, homosexual people will tell you, well, you know, God, uh, you know, he loves this. And he, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, they can say anything they want to say, but it's sin. And uh, and he does not, uh, he's not for it, whether it be that kind of sin or any other sin. So I'm not justifying myself anymore, and I would anybody else. But I'm just simply saying, if I sin, then I'm gonna pay for the sins I, I that I'm not repented of. You need to repent of it. You want to be a homosexual and live a celibate life? Then that's one thing. You that you can do that. You you could you should do it. You have no business. And and same sex marriage is the same thing. It's just. It's, it's not normal. What can I say? And leave it at that. I don't want to go down that road. That's not what I'm talking about here today anyway. At, but at the same time, we are talking about that because we've politicized every stinking thing on the face of this earth, and we're just about one step away from becoming a state religion in this country. And uh, when we do, then it means religion is political, and we've lost your right, and uh, and you have nobody to blame but yourself because your bowstrings are slacking. And you haven't prayed, and you want to live in compromise, and we call it tolerant, tolerant, being tolerant. Don't be, you know, un, you know, be considerate of others. Well, all that in one sense, that's true. We need to be considerate, and there's a certain point where tolerance is a good thing. But tolerance at the expense of God's word and the rightness of God and His word—that's a whole different ball game. And God don't want you giving yourself over to that kind of a thing. Get, get the clue, my friend. So the, you know, those people argue, well, it's immoral. Well, it's not. It's never wonderful, but we're but we have a cause as a as a nation, and that's to exterminate some evil things. So they purposely, Israel did, dissolve their sense of obligation to moral objectives because of their slack and bowstrings. Satan had his heyday like like uh, the attitudes of post Joshua generation are parallel. Uh, well, I put like, I don't want to put that word down there for no reason. You see, the attitudes of, 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 of Joshua's general, the next generation was after Joshua was paralleled by a post-World War II permissive generation that aims to do what that which is right in its own eyes. It's called the baby boomers. Years ago, uh, we had people like the Clintons who were, they're baby boomers, and they were, uh, they rejected uh, and protested against the Vietnam War the government and the way it did things and then ended up in the government. What do you think happens in the government when the very same people who objected for it earlier days in their life, their principles haven't changed. They may have find a better way to hide them, but they're still there. And we need to pray. And we need to keep on praying, praise God. So the things we need to be aware of today is that the spirit that produces world trends will invade will invade Christ's mighty army and argue us off the offensive into a compromised coexistence with world attitudes. That's a very important point. The thing we need to be aware of today is that the spirit that produces world trends will invade Christ's mighty army and argue us off of the offensive into a compromised coexistence with world attitudes. That's exactly what I mean by tolerance. Uh, you know, we're, we're told 
Now, we're not against Islamic people or you know Muslims per se, but at the same time, and, and we, we love them like we would love anybody else. I've ministered to some of them, and I, 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 I love them. I have no, no qualm to say, but, but the religion is, the extremism is wrong. Killing people and cutting their heads off because they don't follow that religion is wrong. And uh, and I don't care who knows it and who you know whatever it's just not right. So the, a permissive society is one that faces the onslaught of evil with relaxed bowstrings. That's exactly we're the one of the most permissive uh, societies in the world. Until you push us too far as a nation, and then things begin to happen. And we're maybe coming to that point, and maybe we need to come to that point. I'm not sure, but I think so, because we want to coexist with attitudes and things in the world. Let me tell you something. God Almighty wasn't looking to be opposed to anybody. The point is, He established His truth and His law and put it out there and His words out there, and anything that's contrary to that's opposed to Him. And that's the way that that's the way the cookie crumbles, praise God. Like it or not. Amen. Now the Christian soldier, the price of commitment to the cause of Christ is too high only when he wants less than victory. Huh? I mean, you know, when you when you've got to a place where you got less than victory, when you're when you're uh, only all you want is less something less than victory. You don't want victory. That's what I'm trying to say. Then you've got a you you've got a problem. As a soldier, you've got a problem. And you're going to lose your battle and you're going to lose the war that you're in because you're a compromiser. But the time has really come to treat our enemies, all of them, as enemies. There's no safe battles, but there's no safe compromise either. Hallelujah. Amen. There's no safe battles. There's no uh, uh, safe compromises. Actually, if you don't know the truth about it, one's about as bad as the other. Uh, have the same kind of a casualty uh, percentage, I'm sure, maybe even more. Compromisers uh, will tend to, uh, to wean you out. I call it weaning out and uh, not even realize they're doing it sometimes because they're doing it, you know, to try to, you know, use love and say, well, you got to love, 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 love. Yeah, you got to love, but you don't have to compromise to love. You just love. You love because it's a command to love. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, praise God, our time's come and gone here today. I just It just left us so fast, and hopefully some of this will make some sense to you. I trust it will. Uh, praise God, we enjoyed speaking the Word of God to you. We pray that you'll uh, take it to heart as you'll rise up and tell the devil where to go and tell him how fast he can go there. Amen. Praise God. And be the Bible said be strong in the Lord, be, and be bold and be strong. Come boldly, praise God. So we have that right. Amen. Appreciate you listening. Appreciate you. I hope and trust that you're enjoying us. We've got some feedback from some who are listening and are, are enjoying it, and, and we're grateful for that. And we're glad that God is using it for His honor and for His glory. Now, Father, in the name of Jesus, bless your people and help them to walk in the state of victory that you want them to help them to measure out a full measure of victory and walk in it and live in it in Jesus' name. We give you glory for it and thank you for them and pray for them and pray for them and pray in agreement with them for total, complete deliverance and victory from all the offensive, uh, all the offensive warfare of the devil. Let him rise up and, and put him in his place in Jesus' name. Remember this, friend. God is exalted. Satan is defeated. And Jesus is Lord. Until the next time, this is Brother Jesus saying God bless. of the blood.